Rub-a-dub-dub. Three men in a tub. And who do you think they were? The butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. But actually, there was no butcher or baker or candlestick maker. There weren't even men. It was just us kids. A rub-a-dub-dub, sometimes three, sometimes even four of us in grandma's tub. There was a splishing and a splashing, a reeling with a feeling, a moving and a grooving, a rocking and a rolling. Water surged out of the tub like breakers on the shore, North Shore, bonsai pipeline status, soaking the linoleum floor. Grandma's bowl of potpourri sopped into seaweed, and the flowers pictured on the wallpaper They wilted under the dampness. But you know, bubble baths are the best, aren't they? Bubble baths are the best. That is, until you have to get out. Your fingers, they turn into raisins, and grandma and grandpa say, it's time. And there they kneel on the soaked linoleum floor with the towel outstretched like wings, ready to embrace you with soft and snuggly warmth. But then there's that terrible, terrible moment of actually getting out. You know, you stand up and naked and unafraid, but then suddenly the icy air hits you and it takes your breath away. Your teeth begin to chatter. Your body temp is reaching hypothermic. But then every chill and every goosebump is chased away by the warm embrace of the towel and loving arms. You know, I think that a bath is a nice image of the Christian life. You know, we come, we're filthy with sin, we come to the waters of cleansing. And in the experience of conversion and baptism, we step into the tub. And then after some time, we experience death and a time of getting out. But then, of course, resurrection and that warm, loving embrace of the Father. But there's one critical stage that we cannot forget about. The critical stage that happens after initial conversion and baptism and before death, it's that stage, that process called sanctification. Becoming more holy, becoming more set apart, becoming more like Jesus. Sanctification is all about becoming more like Jesus. And now today we conclude our Why I Believe sermon series with Why I Believe in Sanctification. Now over the course of this sermon series, we've explored a number of themes like hell and adoption and suffering and worship. And all throughout this sermon series, we've learned to allow faith to be our guide that we must walk by faith. And today we're going to talk about precisely that, what it means to walk by faith in the process, in the life of sanctification. 
So if you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand as we read from our memory verse. From Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This is from the Amplified Bible translation, whose translators and editors have elected to take various Greek nuances from the text and include them in parentheses. So it says this, Now faith is the assurance, that is the title deed or confirmation of things hoped for, that is divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, that faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So God, we come before you today, and we thank you for this opportunity to come and hear from you about a life change and a heart change that we desperately need. So teach us today what it means to become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I made a decision a couple years ago that I will never bathe another cat <laughs> for the rest of my life. A couple years ago, I was helping my wife and my sister-in-law, and uh, they had a cat named Wesson, a beautiful feline, smoky gray, who was covered in fleas, and so he needed a bath. This cat was so good-natured and loving and tender, except when you put him in a bath full of water. Then it's a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I left this entire experience looking like I had an encounter with X-Men's Wolverine. My arms were ripped up. Blood was spurting all over the place, dripping all It's a little bit dramatic, but it hurt. It hurt really bad. But you know what? Washing our dog Penny, giving her a bath, is completely different. It's actually quite a breeze. My wife does it. Uh, but I help. I help. I dry her a little bit. It's completely different. As long as the water temperature is 86.7 degrees Fahrenheit, and the bubbles are at optimum suds consistency, she's fine. She absolutely loves it when she's in that warm water. You know, the difference between bathing a cat and bathing a dog is almost as different as justification and sanctification. When it comes to justification, we come to Jesus and we confess our faith. You are my Lord and Savior, and we experience justification. We are made right in the sight of God through our faith in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. This is what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified or made right by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But then what? Okay, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven. But guess what? It's not over. There's a whole life ahead of you in this life called sanctification. So let's explore what's the difference between justification, being made right in God's sight, and sanctification. 
So justification, being made right, is a legal standing. We are made innocent before God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Whereas sanctification is this internal moral condition that begins at conversion. Justification is once for all time. You are declared right in God's sight. Whereas when it comes to sanctification, it's a continuous process throughout life of becoming more and more like Jesus. And now this may look like an EKG, you know, like a heart monitor that goes up and down and up and down based on how faithful and obedient we are to Jesus. I'm being really faithful and obedient or then I sin and it comes back down. But hopefully, hopefully this trends upward throughout our lives. With justification, it's entirely God's work. It's entirely his doing, but with sanctification, we actually cooperate. We get to be a part of it as we depend on God and as we actively obey. Now, justification further is the same in all Christians. Everyone who confesses faith in Jesus Christ, accepts them as as their Lord and Savior, is justified freely by the grace of God, whereas sanctification, becoming more like Jesus, is greater in some than it is in others because, let's just face it, some people are more obedient. Some people are more faithful than others. Well, today what I want to do is I want to take a look at a story in the Gospel of Luke about a healing and thankfulness. But wait. I thought we were talking about sanctification and becoming more like Jesus. We are. So sit tight and get ready. Here it comes, Luke 17, verse 11. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Well, it's definitely not a shortcut. If we look on the map, we realize that Galilee is located to the north. And if we were going to go to Jerusalem, we would just make it a straight shot north to south. But this says that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he's going along the border of Galilee and Samaria, which basically runs east to west and west to east. Well, verse 12 says, as he entered a village... Ten men with skin diseases approached him. These ten men, they desperately need a bath and more. But a simple exfoliation and application of deeply penetrating moisturizers will not be enough. It won't cut it. These men need to become like snakes and shed this old skin. But even then, I don't even know if that would help. These men are riddled with disease, perhaps leprosy, perhaps something worse, if you can imagine it. But just imagine that fiery itch, like the sting of a thousand hornets. Imagine the mutilated skin, like the craggy and rough exterior of an elephant. Or imagine the blisters and bubbles that Crack and pus emitting a putrid and gag-inducing odor. Imagine the social shunning, being set apart, being separated and isolated and ostracized and forced to live in leper camps. But you know what? 
Whether you realize it or not, this is what we all look like when we first encounter Jesus, riddled with disease, a disease called sin. It's perpetuated by patterns of selfishness and pride in our lives. Well, the text continues, the second half of verse 12 says, Keeping their distance from him, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, show us mercy. The men, they keep their distance because they're unclean, and also perhaps because they are contagious. But their cry out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, it indicates at least a measure of faith. It indicates that they aren't banking on their own worthiness, but completely upon the hope and mercy of Jesus. It's exactly what we experience with conversion. When we first come to Jesus, we realize, I am not worthy. Nothing that I could ever do would make me worthy. So I'm putting complete trust and faith and hope upon you, Jesus. Well, this is what happens in verse 14. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. So rather than touching them or pronouncing them as clean, he gives them a command. Go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, according to Leviticus 13, 19, this is what you do after you've been healed of a skin disease. But these men are leprous. They're scaly with skin disease. They aren't healed or cleansed by any means. But Jesus goes and tells them, show yourself to the priest. If I were one of these ten men, I would have been like, what? Jesus, uh, you're here right now. Like, let's just do it. You know, you could heal me. I have faith. I have trust in you. Just heal me. I mean, maybe we can do that, you know, what you did with the blind man and you created that concoction of mud, and you rubbed it on his eyes, let's just do like a mud bath or something. Cleanse me completely. Or like with the dead girl, the magic words you shared, Talitha Koum, and then she comes back to life. Like, we could do that, but I think they know something. I think they understand that Jesus is testing their faith and obedience. You just called me master. You said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Well, let's see if Jesus is truly your master if you obey what he says. And fortunately, they do. Verse 14 says, as they left, they were cleansed. Now, this is amazing. Praise God. Hallelujah. But the story's not over yet. As it is with our conversion, we step into the tub and we experience life eternal, at least the beginning stages of it, because we are saved by grace through faith. We become a Christian, and it is amazing, and it's awesome, but you're not done yet. It's time to start scrub-a-dub-dubbing. You're in the tub, so you might as well start. It's time to get out that loofah or that back scrubber and start scrub-a-dub-dubbing. It's time for sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. Sanctification is all about becoming more like Jesus, and and we got to be sanctified, not because it will make us better or more worthy, but because it will make us more like Jesus. 
Sanctification is all about becoming like Jesus in every single way. Maybe minus the ferocious beard for you ladies especially, but in every single way, every thought, every desire, every action, every hope, every dream, every ambition, every mission. If you thought, if you thought that the Christian life was just about a prayer and that ticket to heaven, I'm sorry. I'm sorry because you're missing out on the greatest adventure of living for God, becoming more like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, these 10 men, they experience the healing of Jesus, and nine of them are content with the healing that comes about in their life, but one man happens to be so irrationally and recklessly and senselessly stoked about what Jesus had done in his life that this is what happens. Verse 15 says, One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, returned and praised God with a loud voice. He couldn't just contain it. Jesus had just changed his life. How could he stay silent? He had to praise God. He had to let God know it. And so what better way of letting God know it than to show it and to live by it? Sanctification is all about living out thankfulness. I remember when I was a kid, we had a rule when it was bath time that you had to sing. You had to sing in the tub. If you were taking a bath, you had to sing. And now I learned later that this was an ingenious parenting technique, that if for some reason my mom had to be in the other room, that she could still hear me singing. And thus, she would realize that I was still afloat and not, not sunk down. And you know, there were times when maybe I would stop singing. Or I would get too silent. And she would yell from the other room, Honey, I can't hear you singing. And I wonder, what keeps us from singing in the bath? What keeps us from singing in the bath? What keeps us from being public and vocal and bold? What keeps us from being unsilenced and unafraid? I mean, we're thankful, right? We're thankful for the change that Jesus has brought in our lives, the newness that he brings. So why are we silent about it? Maybe God is crying out to us, I can't hear you singing. You know, there were times when I had stopped singing or I had uh, just grown too soft. You know, maybe it's just a volume thing. We got to up the volume. We have to turn it up. Or maybe, maybe you've stopped singing. Well, there were times when I would get quiet or I would stop singing. My mom would cry out from the other room, honey, I can't hear you singing. And there were times when I would respond yelling back to her, mom, I'm all out of songs. 
well, maybe it's time to learn some more. So too with our faith. Sanctification is all about learning and application. And the saddest part is when I come across people who are done learning, who are done, they've learned it all. They have their, their set of beliefs and, and practices, and that's it. They're, they're set. But what is God doing in your life that's new? What is God doing? How is he shaping you? How is he transforming you? How is he stretching you? How is he challenging you? Who are you serving? Who are you loving? In what ways? What Bible study are you a part of? Oh, you're not? Why? Are you too busy? Well, what could be more important than becoming more like Jesus? What could be more important? Netflix and chill? The Bachelorette? Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter? Really? Do you want to change the world or just change the channel? Honestly, really. Because I want to change the world. But I realize that I first have to be changed in here, in this life of sanctification and learning to become more like Jesus. I have to do what this man does in verse 16. It says, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And check it out. He was a Samaritan. Whoa. Like this changes everything. He was a Samaritan. The fact that he was a Samaritan means that most Jews of Jesus' day would have looked down upon him as, an, as a heretic or as a half-breed. But he's the one who comes back to show gratitude to Jesus. And Jesus says this in verse 17. Jesus replied, weren't ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returned to praise God except this foreigner? Jesus' point here in calling this man a foreigner right here, it's that the other nine who were presumably Israelites did not return to show gratitude. Only this outsider. Verse 19 says, Then Jesus said to him, Get up and go. Your faith has healed you, or saved you, or, or delivered you. This man was already cleansed, though. And same with the other nine. They were already healed, but it, it seems that this man experiences healing and restoration in such a way that the other nine maybe didn't. You know, I don't want to be like the other nine who walked away, and yeah, they were healed, they were content with it, but they were unresponsive. I don't want to be unresponsive to the immensity of the saving grace of Jesus. I don't want to be unresponsive. I want to respond with my life in the life of sanctification and become more like Jesus. Some of you might be asking, like, why? Why should I become like Jesus? Well, that's a good question to consider. Why? Well, Jesus is God. He's perfect. He's like the perfect role model. But here are some other reasons. Well, in becoming more like Jesus, I can love people more effectively. Wouldn't that be great? 
In becoming more like Jesus, I can live for what truly matters. I mean, everybody is searching for the meaning of life. Maybe it's just sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. Because in that pursuit, we find out who we really are and what really matters. In becoming like Jesus, I can become who I've truly been created to be, the most meest me that I can be. And those are some pretty good reasons, I think, for becoming like Jesus. Okay, but how? Like, practically speaking, how do I become more like Jesus? Well, first off, you got to know that it's going to be full of ups and downs, kind of like that EKG heart monitor. There's going to be good days and there's going to be not so good days. But in order to become more like Jesus, I must be committed to surrender and follow and obey and pray and listen and love and learn and apply, trust, laugh, serve, change. It goes on and on. I need to dedicate myself. I need to try new things. Forgive, have joy, hope, depend on God, grow. The list goes on and on. On Wednesday, before church, Ashley, our children's director, and I, we had a meeting with a six-year-old boy who wants to get baptized. And we met out there in the lobby, which is also our cry room. Just so you know, that's our cry room. If you're looking for a place to cry, you can cry out there. If you're sitting in that spot and there's a mom with a kid or a dad with a kid, like, get up and let them sit there. So we were out there, anyways, in the lobby. And uh, Ashley comes out guns blazing. The mom and the son, they're sitting on the couch, and we had pulled up some chairs. She comes out guns blazing, and she asked him, why do you want to get baptized? I thought, wow, that's pretty bold already. And I was absolutely blown away by this six-year-old's answer. He said, well, I want to dedicate my life to God. I was like, whoa, I mean, your Star Wars Crocs can't even reach the floor. <laughs> and you're dropping theological truths like that. I was blown away. And so I probed further. I'm like, I want to know how much this kid knows. So I said, who is Jesus? Like, if you were going to introduce me to Jesus for the very first time, like, what would you say? And he said, well, Jesus performed a lot of miracles. Like, he turned water into wine. And he looked at his mom, he said, Mommy likes wine. <laughs> and then he goes through a whole litany of things. He was saying, like, well, Jesus, he healed lepers. He walked on the water. He did food miracles. He died on the cross. He rose three days later. And he goes through this whole thing. And I'm like, what are they feeding them in Kids Rock? What are they feeding them? Because I'd never seen a human being, not just a six-year-old wearing Star Wars Crocs, but a human being who was so excited to be baptized. I was blown away. But I was most astonished 
by an answer he gave me. When I asked him a question that I ask pretty much everyone who wants to get baptized, we have this conversation that, you know, when Jesus gets baptized in the Gospels, it always seems like he experiences the time of testing and persecution. He does. He, he gets sent out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he endures testing and temptation and trial. And it seems like that parallels the life of the believer. That often I see when people get baptized, they go into a really difficult, trying time. And so I asked the six-year-old wearing Star Wars Crocs, I said, after you get baptized, do you think that things will be easy or hard? And he said, both. Both. This pursuit of sanctification and becoming more like Jesus, it will take every ounce of who you are. It will take every bit of strength. But if we are seriously serious, if we are seriously serious about this life of sanctification and becoming more like Jesus, our community, our city, our nation, and our world will be forever changed. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you today, and I know that there are people in here who want to, who want to follow you and become more like you. They aren't just satisfied with that ticket to heaven. I mean, that's amazing, God, but we want so much more because we know you want so much more for us and from us. And so send us out, we pray. I pray, God, for people in here who want to experience you for the first time, that they want to convert and follow you, that they would pray, Jesus, would you come into my heart? I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And you rose from the grave, defeating death. So come into my life and show me how to live. Show me how to walk by faith, boldly proclaiming the goodness of God everywhere I go. In Jesus' name we pray.